Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, last week we talked about who is God to us when we consider God and we think about him and and who he is. And the question is asked, really, who is God to us when we think about him? One of the things that scripture begins with when you go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, we know the scripture says, in the beginning, God. Well, it all begins with him. All throughout our lives as we know it now, God is still there. And matter of fact, when you go read the end of it, when things will come to pass in all of eternity, God is still there. And so when we consider that and we think about that and we think about that in our lives, where, I mean, where is God in our lives? Where, where does he stand? Where is, what's he a part of in our lives? What, what do we think of when we think about God and we see him in relationship to our lives? Our lives do our lives function around God? Is, is God? is God got first place in our hearts and lives where he ought to have and ought to be? Because when you consider this, one of the things that we talked about last Sunday is this. We're fearfully and wonderfully made in the very image of God himself. That's who we are. And so God in his holiness and God in his justness. If in the beginning there was God, and God is a part of our lives even today as we know it, and in the end throughout all of eternity, God will still be there, which we know to be the case. God does not have a beginning. God has no end. God has not changed, nor will he ever change. He's the same today as he's always been and forever will be. That's who God is. And since God created us and and God is the one who orchestrated and put everything into place and put everything into uh, place as we know it today and everything functions according to the way God designed it and the way that God purposed and the way that God put it in place. So wouldn't it make sense today that God would hold and have first place in our lives and everything in our lives about who we are would rotate around him and everything that we do from our living life every day to making decisions in our lives every day to to all aspects of our lives every day, wouldn't it make sense for God to be in the center and then for us to follow him in his leading and in his working. I think one of the things that we lose sight of sometimes, every one of us in this building this morning, if you're a believer, if you've been saved by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and been baptized, and you're a part of the family of God, then let me share something with you. Every one of you in this building, I don't care who you are, have been gifted. You have been gifted with a gift. Or gifts to do what with? To use in the kingdom of God. We have the privilege. You know, some people look at it as, oh no, oh who me. You know, here it comes again to, uh, to, 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 to serve. What, you know, what, what am I going to do? I think we lose sight of, of this and understand this. In the beginning, God. God had a purpose. God had a plan. He's going to carry it throughout all of eternity. And for you and I today to understand this, because it has a lot to do with the way we see God in our lives, it is a privilege for us to be able to serve him. 
And that's the way we should see it. It's a privilege for us to be a part of whatever the plan of God may be, whatever God is at work in, for us to be able to have the privilege to be a part of that. And that's the way we ought to look at our lives every day. It's a privilege for me to do what I do. You know, a lot of people say, you know, what you do week in and week out, that must get awful draining. It must get awful, must get awful tough and all of those. And let me share something with you. I see what I do week in and week out, day after day. I see it as a privilege that I have to serve the one who loves me so. And even in times of difficulty, and even when things may not be going along just as smoothly as, 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 as they can, and matter of fact, when you hit those bumps in the road and it seems like there's a mountain at the other end and there's just no way to get over it, God is always there and it's a privilege to serve him regardless of what the day or the hour may hold. But the question comes down to this, where does God sit in your life? I mean, where, what, what position does God hold in your life? Does he have first place in your life and who you are? Do you seek every day to honor him? Do you seek every day that what you do brings honor and glory to him? The very one who loves us so, if we claim that we love him back, then one of the things that we ought to do is demonstrate and show our love to him by serving him with everything that we've got. I mean, that's who he is. Or is he not? Or is God to us a genie? And God is some genie that we keep over here in this bottle or in this lamp over here. And when things get tough and things get difficult and, you know, things are just not working out, we're just not able to control it on our own and our own human abilities just don't seem to be able to bring about what needs to be done. Guess what we do? We go rub on the jar or the lamp a little bit and we bring up God and we say oh God I've got this you know this problem and here I am and I need you to get me out of this or I need you to do something with it is that the way we see him or is he an active part of our lives each and every day I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 15 and chapter 16 I know this is a familiar story this is a familiar account in Scripture. And oh, by the way, we all know the end of this story. So it makes it difficult sometimes that we already know the end of it. But there's some things that I want to share with you out of Genesis 15 and Genesis 16. How many of y'all remember a fellow by the name of Abram? Before his name was changed to Abraham. And then, of course, his wife's name was Sarah before her name was changed to Sarah. Well, God chose Abraham, took him from the land of the Chaldeans, from the Ur of the Chaldees, and brought Abram and his family through Haran and brought him all the way back down into Canaan. And matter of fact, when we come to chapter 15 and chapter 16, Abram has been in Canaan for 10 years. And the journey that took place from the Ur of the Chaldees, all the way around to the land of Canaan. Abram saw God work over and over again. And matter of fact, one of the things that God told Abram when he brought him out of the uh, land of the Ur of the Chaldees, here's what he told him. He said, I'm going to take you into a land that you don't know where you're going, but I'm going to take you there. And Abraham packed everything up and he followed God. Genesis chapter number 12 is an interesting chapter because it outlines for us the covenant that, may, that God makes with Abram. What we refer to today is the Abrahamic covenant. 
And the Abrahamic covenant will eventually be fully fulfilled when we get to the millennial kingdom of Christ. But that covenant that God made with Abram in chapter number 12 had some aspects of that covenant. Chapter 15 and chapter 16 is going to reveal one of those for us. And we're going to watch and see what happens. But it's interesting the way God handles Abram throughout all of this because in chapter 15 we have what I like to refer to in Scripture as reminders. And sometimes in life when we get to the point that life just seems like, is there any use? It seems like the harder I try and the more I do, and it seems like the more I try to press in, the worse things get. And my dear friend, if I could encourage your heart with something today, keep pressing in. One of the things that Scripture tells us, and we need to understand this, is we move toward the last days. I hate to tell you this, but things are going to get even more difficult. We've enjoyed the freedoms of being able to worship together and, and come to church and all of those, even in light of a COVID and, and all of these other things that have happened. But let me ask you a question. When it comes to serving God in our lives and who we are and where we are and the responsibilities and what we understand about God, what if all of a sudden come the end of this year, next year, we find ourselves in a state of deep persecution when it comes to the church and the things of God and we find ourselves in a position and a place that we don't want to be? So what are we going to do? Are we just going to quit? I mean, just, we just stop? I want you to, if you can get your hands around something today, here's what I want you to understand. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I think sometimes we also lose sight of the fact there's a spiritual warfare, there's a spiritual battle that's enraging around us today that you and I cannot see, but here's what happens. We see the results of it. We see the consequences that come as a result of that battle that is raging around us. And sometimes it's difficult and sometimes we get so caught up in the middle of the circumstance that the only thing that we can see is the humanness of it. The only thing that we can see is the flesh and blood in front of us. And we lose sight of the fact that God is there. He's there. Well, how do you know that? Let me tell you something. When things get difficult, when we, when, when we look at life and things just seem not to make any sense, guess what? One of the best places that we have to turn to is the Word of God. In the Word of God, from what fashion? Well, look at Genesis chapter 15. It's what I call a reminder. God's going to say to Abram here in chapter 15, beginning in verse number 1, I want you to notice what he said. And so after these things, the Word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, and I want you to notice what he says. He said, do not fear Abram. There is no need for you to be afraid. We don't have to fear. The world that we live in today, even in its difficulties, if we belong to him, we don't have to fear. There's no need to fear. Now, I'll say this to you. <laughs> you ready for this? That's easier said than done. Because in our humanness and in our flesh, it's very easy for us to move to that fear place. It's very easy for us to kind of withdraw and move into a fear place. But God told Abram, said, Abram, 
there's, there's no need for you to fear. Not long after he brought him into the land of Canaan, there was, a, there was a famine came in the land. And guess what? He took Sarah's wife and they went to Egypt. Yeah, he didn't do very well when he went to Egypt either, did he? You know, here, here's one of the, the things that I love about the Scripture. Are you ready for this? Aren't you thankful that all of those that we have in Scripture, they weren't all perfect? Huh? Guess what it shows us? We're allowed to see the humanness. When Abram took Sarah and he went to Egypt, guess what he did? He said, don't tell them you're my, uh, we'll tell them you're my sister. For his own sake, for his own skin. And what did it do? It created difficulties and it created problems for Abram. In his trust for the Lord. Well, he come back out of Egypt. And we go through chapter 13 and chapter 14. And we find ourselves in those chapters with other things that happen as a result of what God had instructed Abram to do. Matter of fact, there's good old Lot. But then we come to chapter 15. And God says, Abram, there's no need for you to fear. I love the next statement that God makes to Abram. And notice what he says. I am a shield to you. I'm a shield to you. I'm a shield to you. If you're here this morning and as a believer in Christ, I'm a shield to you. The worst possible thing that could happen to me in this life on the face of the earth, what awaits me after this life, words could never begin to describe what's ahead for me. No matter how bad, no matter how difficult things may get, one of the things that we need to understand and realize, this is not all there is. But guess what? We're still here. And as a believer, we have a responsibility. Every one of us that are in this building this morning, if you're here today and you're a born-again child of God, you've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been. We've been entrusted with it to do what? To keep it? To hide it? No, to, to live it. To share it with those around us. And then the last part of verse number one, I want you to notice what else God tells Abram. He said, your reward shall be very great. Abram said in verse 2, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. In other words, Abram, guess what? You and Sarah are going to have a child. Really? You and Sarah are going to have a child. Well, when you go on through chapter 15, you'll notice that God reminds Abram of some other things. Look at verse number 7. He reminds him of something else. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded of this as well. 
I want you to notice what he tells Abram. He said, I am the Lord. And matter of fact, that is, that is, that is the name of God. That, it's the proper name of God. I am Yahweh. I am the I am. And oh, by the way, Abram, the I am, that's who I am. I am the one who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldees. I'm the one who brought you out. And folks, listen to me. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to understand this. It is he who brought you out. It's he that delivered you. It's he that brought you out and put your feet on solid ground. It's God who did that. And it's God who did that simply because he loves you. It's because of his grace. And so he reminds Abram, Abram, I want you to understand something. You're, listen, there's no need for you to be afraid. He said, I am your shield. And as a further reminder, I'm the one who brought you out of the land of the earth of the Chaldees. That's who I am, Abram. Don't forget that. And he tells him in the last part of verse number 7 to give you this land to possess it. That's who I am. And my dear friend, I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we need to understand that it is God. It is God. Not us, not our humanness, not our own human ability. It is God himself who has given us life. But then you come to chapter 16. Verse number one. Now, Sarai. Was childless. But she had an Egyptian maid by the name of Hagar. And we all know who she was and is. You see, it's in moments of impatience... It's in moments of impatience. Let me ask you a question. Any of you here this morning get impatient? Anybody? How many of y'all ever get impatient with God? All right, I'm going to ask you another question. How many of y'all try to have, how many of you have ever tried to help God out just a little bit? Huh? Ha, don't you dare give Sarah a hard time. Don't give Abraham a hard time. You see, it's in moments of impatience that suggestions of alternate plans begin to flow through our minds and our hearts. Well, I, I know God has this, or I, 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 but it just ain't happening. How many of you ever come to this? Maybe it's me. Huh? Maybe I'm not pushing strong enough. Maybe I'm not pushing hard enough. Well, I know I'm waiting on this over here, but, you know, if I go ahead and do this, this, or this, I can get to where I want to be faster. 
But those suggestions of alternate plans begin to flow through our mind and our hearts. And before long, we start saying, God, I got the answer. I know what needs to be done. And let me share this with you as well. What we refer to to that is this. Those are plans not born out of faith. Those are plans not born out of faith. Human efforts that we try to muster up to help assist in the fulfilling of a very divine promise from God himself. All it does is complicates the matter. And guess what? That's exactly what happened here. Because what was considered to be something that would be good turned out to be not good at all. And matter of fact, it complicated the situation and complicated things significantly. Verse 6 of chapter 16, you see what happened as a result. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. And so Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Are you ready for this? She's the one who concocted the thing. She's the very one who came up with the idea. Brother Robert, what, where, where are you trying to bring this to this morning? I'm just going to share my heart with you for just a moment. It is out of a deep, 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 deep love relationship that we have as a believer that the desire to win the lost and to serve each other and to give graciously emerges. Because let me, let me share with you what happens. What we see at the end of the day is not our purpose, but it's God's purpose. And when we see God's purpose, it kind of changes our perspective on things. Because it's not about me. It's not about who I am. It's all about God. It's all about what his desire is. What does God want? Matter of fact, have we ever asked ourselves this question? What does God want out of me? What is God's desire for me? Abram, I'm going to bless you. Abram, there's no need for you to fear. Abram, I'm going to be a shield for you. A reminder, Abram, I'm the one who brought you out of the land of the earth of the Chaldees and set you in this land, and now you're going to possess this land that you find yourself in. And oh, by the way, going to multiply you as the stars of the sky. Go out there, Abram. Look up into the sky. Can you count all of those stars that are up there? No, you can't, Abram. But your descendants are going to be as the stars of the heavens. And it's going to come through you in my plan and direction. But that's not the way they took it. Folks, listen to me. God is always at work. And he desires a people through whom he can work. Are you ready for this? Hold on to your seat, okay? You can put a seat belt around you if you want to. 
But let me say something to you this morning. You never reach an age where God cannot use you. The only place that we get to where God can't use us is when we refuse to let him use us. It's not about age. When you think about it, all of us who are believers here this morning, if you've been saved by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, then let me share this with you as well. Do you understand and realize you have been gifted? You have been gifted with a gift or gifts to do what? To use to serve in the kingdom. We're citizens of the kingdom. Every one of us has been gifted to serve. And if we see it and understand it as a privilege to serve and a privilege to, 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 to be a part of what God is doing, then we will step up with all of our energies and being and say, God, here I am, use me. But it boils down to this. Do we want to be? Do we want to be? When God's people join him in his power, when God's people join him in his power, his plan and work is accomplished by his power. And not by ours. However, when we attempt to do God's work in our own strength and strategy, then guess what happens? The results are always carnal failure. That's what they are. Why? Because they've been done in our own accord. And here's the way the process goes. Are you ready? It's called disobedience. Then comes the chastisement. Then comes repentance. And here comes obedience. You know, I think one of the words that we, it has become kind of, oh, we don't use that word anymore in church. And that's the word repentance. Repentance. <laughs> Me repent of what? I think everyone in this building this morning, including myself, multiple times already today, has gone to the throne of grace and repentance. Repentance from what perspective? God, don't ever allow me to get in the pulpit and preach without you there first. You see, when we understand who God is in his holiness and his sovereignty, let me tell you what will come to your heart. There will come a profound a profound sense of brokenness and repentance of sin. It's what we refer to as spiritual awakening. And heaven knows we so desperately need a spiritual awakening today. But spiritual awakening is always born out of a heart of brokenness and repentance. When that comes, it leads to personal revival, 
supernatural empowering. Let me ask you a question. Does your walk with the Lord sometimes get cold? so caught up in the things of the world do, do you ever reach a point in your life as a believer that sometimes it just kind of gets what's the use it just kind of gets cold how about stale why but I think if every one of us in here were honest with each other here's what we would say yes I'm a part of that same group let me tell you why that happens. It's because we're attempting to do things underneath our own power instead of his. That's what happens. And it's time the church today understand and realize it's not about what you and I have to offer. It's all about the empowering of the Holy Spirit of God to do what he's called us to do. So how do you get there? How do you get there? Here's what God's looking for. You ready? It's in his word. He tells us. Here's what he's looking for. He's looking for clean vessels, cleansed vessels, through which he can demonstrate his power. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all, you're, you're longing to see a mighty moving of the power of God once again in our churches? Well, let me share something with you. The only way that's going to happen is for his people to get serious with who he is and in a sense of brokenness and repentance is to beg God to do what we cannot do. Say, so how do you know that? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number one ought to set it ought, it ought to set the, it ought to set the picture for us. Jesus died on the cross, spent almost a little over three years with his disciples, his earthly ministry while he was here. They saw him over and over and over again, perform miracle after miracle. They heard his teaching. But he gave them some very specific words. And he told them, he said, there's a day coming when I'm going to leave you. And when I leave you, but I must go. The, the only way that this is going to happen is I must go. And when I go, the Father is going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is going to be the one who will guide you into all truth. It is the Holy Spirit of God who will gift us. It is the Holy Spirit of God who will teach us. It is the Holy Spirit of God who will point everything back to Jesus Christ. It is the working of the Holy Spirit of God that is the key. And he said, oh, by the way, after his resurrection and his ascension, he told his disciples when they're in Jerusalem, you stay in Jerusalem you do not go anywhere outside of Jerusalem, and you're to remain there until the promise comes. Why do you think he told them that? I will tell you why. Because what was ahead of them next 
would never be able to be accomplished under human ability or power. The only way it could happen would be through the Holy Spirit of God himself. So you come to Acts chapter number 1, verse 4 and verse 5. And I want you to notice what it says. So gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Do not leave, to stay right there. But to wait for what the Father had promised. What was, what was it the Father had promised? The Comforter's coming. The Holy Spirit's coming. You stay right there till he comes. Do not go anywhere. And then he also reminds them, which, he said, you heard of from me. He said, you heard this from me. Now, this is him speaking to them before he ascends. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then look down at verse number 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's where you will be. That's what's going to happen. Jerusalem. Speaking of Israel, Samaria, speaking of the mixed, then to the uttermost parts of the earth, to all the Gentiles. That was the purpose and the plan of God. So what did they do? So while we're sitting around waiting for the promise of the Comforter to come, because when you get down to verse number 9, the ascension takes place. He's gone And the only thing they know of at this point is for them to stay there in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Do not go anywhere, don't do anything, but wait. So guess what they do? Go to verse 14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers so guess what they were doing they were waiting and praying waiting and praying until you come to Acts chapter number 2 and when you come to Acts chapter number 2 the Holy Spirit of God descends filling those who were in that upper room and Peter stood and preached probably one of the most tremendous messages that has ever been spoken. How did he do that? Well, let me share something with you. If Peter would have attempted to do that under his own initiative, it would have never happened. But Peter, under the power of the Holy Spirit of God, stood and spoke, and everyone who was there in Jerusalem, people were gathered from all over, Different dialects, different tongues, they heard Peter speak, and they all heard him in their same, in their very familiar, known tongue. And they heard Peter, and guess what? They accused Peter of being drunk. What you see in Acts chapter 1. Is the importance of following divine instruction. But my dear friend, the only way that we know what the divine instruction is to spend time in the instruction. 
to understand what it says. Two things, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, waiting for the moving of the Holy Spirit. And then Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 is the preparation that took place by those who were were, were waiting. Okay, And what were they doing? They were praying. You see, this morning I don't think we have any difficulty or problem believing in a supernatural and powerful God of the past. That's history. We read about it. Oh, God took Abram, took him from the land of the earth, the Chaldees, led him through Haran, brought him all the way down to the land of Canaan. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Abraham and Sarah had a child by the name of, oops, we had one before what God intended initially to occur uh, with Hagar by the name of Ishmael. Oh, but wait a minute, there's Isaac, the promised seed of which the book of Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, speaking of Israel, speak about the son of the flesh versus the son of promise. And guess what? The son of promise being Isaac, the son of the flesh being Ishmael. Why? Because it was acted out of the flesh. Oh, the God of Joseph. The God of Jacob. Oh, the God of David. The God of Solomon. The God of Jeremiah the prophet, the God of Ezekiel, the God of Obadiah, the God of Amos, the God of Micah, of Nahum, and Habakkuk, the God of Ezra, and the God of Nehemiah, and the God of Ruth. We have no problem understanding that God in the context of the Scripture. Why do we have such a difficult time today understanding and realizing that same God is the same God that you and I serve today? He's no different. And He wants to accomplish and do through us what you and I could never do in our own human abilities, but through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, which He sent on His behalf to us to empower us, God wants to see great moving. Through those who are willing to be used by him. Here's the issue. The issue is one of faith and obedience. Well, Paul even wrote about this in the book of Galatians. Here's what he said. He said, if you live in the spirit, then walk in the spirit. That's what we should do. But my dear friend, you can't walk in the Spirit unless you allow the Holy Spirit of God to have absolute control over you. That's why Paul, writing in Ephesians chapter number 5, said, Be not drunk with wine, where is is it in excess, but to be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. That's how it happens. Let me say this this morning. And I hear this all the time. Well, we just don't have enough money. We just don't have enough people. We just don't have enough this. Or we just don't have enough this. Or we just don't have enough this. My dear friend, from my heart to you this morning, let me share this with you. 
The problem is not our circumstances or lack of resources. It is a lack of supernatural empowering from God himself. That's where we are. For the church to have an impact on the world today, for the church to have an impact on the community, let me tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take a supernatural empowering of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it will take. Is that your desire today? Let me tell you something. The desire of my heart is to once again to see God absolutely transform lives because you're looking at somebody who knows he can. But folks, listen to me. I can't do it by myself. It's going to take all of us. Are you ready to see a moving of God? Then it begins with each one of us individually as a church. Father, we thank you.